This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, and it's the first podcast of the season. We're back. We're still in the championship, but we won't dwell on that. (laughs) Things didn't grow according to plan at the back end of last season, but we all know about that, but we are positive. We are in a new stadium, and we are back. My name's Billy Grant, and I'm sitting in the garden of a pub, like we used to do back in the days, in the podcast, drinking beer. And non-alcoholic beer, and orange juice, and coke, and whatever else we drink. And I'm sitting here with my chums. I've got the Laney in the house. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. We're in a very quiet pub, actually. So we're, uh, we're kind of whisperingly loudly, so uh, we don't uh, uh, annoy everyone else in the, in, in the beer garden. I but... think you've got to stop whispering. Let's just get the vibe. Get the vibe in. None of this whispering nonsense. What are you talking about? Anyway, yeah, no, I'm all good. Um, had a bit more sunshine. Um, really looking forward to the, uh, the new season now. As you said, yeah, the last season didn't end anywhere near how we hoped it would, but we've just got to move on. This, we, we, we can dwell, but it's not going to get us anywhere now. So, uh, you know, we, we start the season as, as one of the favourites to, to finish the job that we, you know, we hope that we would have, uh, you know, sorted out against Fulham um, we, we just need to learn from it and then and, and crack on so the, the, the sooner we can start the sooner we can start winning games the sooner we can do what we know this squad is capable of indeed indeed and I've got the Allard in the house how are you doing yeah I'm good Bill it's, it's funny actually because until you mentioned it there I hadn't really thought about um, the end of last season it's, it's sort of I've closed that chapter off and I don't remember that before having come out of a playoff defeat. I think I've always come into the following season with lots of sort of trepidation thinking, oh, this could affect us, you know, the, the following season and stuff like that. Maybe not so much um, for the Middlesbrough one, but, but certainly for the, the ones back in, you know, the, those ones back in history. And, um, and, and until you started talking about it there, I hadn't really even thought about it. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm good. I think because it was so such a surreal experience where we were kind of like watching the games but not going, and then they were coming so thick and fast. It it was it, it wasn't normal. So maybe the kind of grieving process was was different this time as well. Yeah, possibly. But I think I think the, one of the main things is, and we're going to talk about it almost imminently. I'm sure is that it doesn't feel like the team's being broken up. 
and it, I don't think there's going to be a hangover, you know, because even if there was a hangover, the hangover normally comes from the fans. The fans won't be around, so you know, I, I'm I'm all sort of I'm all good, and I'm not just saying it. That is, it really hadn't thought of it in, about that until um, you just mentioned it. And Bill, you know, we're obviously going to talk about signing a Tony, but it was very different that we actually kind of preempted the departure of Watkins. You know, we'd actually kind of we knew what was coming, and we'd actually kind of kind of headed off that problem. I mean, that is true. And, and I think this is a very Brentford of us now. I mean, I was chatting on one of the Villa podcast, one of the very many Villa podcasts that have contacted us over the last few days asking us for a comment. And this one was the one that's linked to Birmingham Live as well with uh, Dan Rollinson as well. Nice bunch of lads. And I was chatting to them today and, I, you know, I was talking about exactly that same thing. They said, you know, are you a bit gutted? You know, were you surprised for uh, Watkins to go? And I said, actually, no, we weren't. I said, you know, six years ago when we lost um, Andre Gray, you know, we were absolutely gutted. Everyone, all Brentford fans are fuming. And even when we lost uh, Hogan to Villa, you know, there's all sorts of fuming going on because we, we can't believe people are coming to steal our players. But I said, six years down the line, we've kind of got used to it. And also we've come to trust the system, as we say, to say that, that you know, we're going to sign another player. And I think that we knew that if we didn't go up this season, Ollie Watkins was going to go. We prepared ourselves for it. We knew Ivan Tony was going to, or whoever else is going to come in. He's coming and we're almost at peace. So it's almost like we're sort of kind of like, you know, giving Ollie Watkins kind of flowers as, as he goes off to Aston Villa. And he must be thinking, this is really strange. I'm not, I'm not going to get any abuse if I play this lot in the cup or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? No, absolutely right. And, uh, you know, he goes, he, yeah, you're kind of, it goes without blessing again as well because he's another one that's coming on the, on the conveyor belt. And, you know, you, you know, some people would say he's used Brentford. And, but that's, that's, that's just the way we are, you know. We were six years ago. Some people were, were accusing our directors of football for robbing a living and and sort of like you know, we're, you know, some sort of witchcraft. But you know, six years down the line, we've all become educated and uh, we're just aware that to lose one is almost exciting because it allows you to bring three or four more players in and you know for the kind of money that we'll talk about in a minute that we've received for Ollie Watkins and I know we've got to share some of it but the the profit on that is colossal and you know the the excitement as I said is the the what we're going to do with it which is is you know we're riding that wave and, and I guess the real key now is that we're we're selling players for what we think they're worth do you know what I mean? Whereas, whereas previously, I think you know, if you go back to all those sort of sales of your Holdsworths and and, and um, DJ like Campbell, five hundred thousand pounds. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. And and all of those came a at bad times and b we didn't really get what we felt they were worth. And 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 those sales, to be honest, all they did was paid some debts. They never really gave us the opportunity to rebuild a team or invest mm. in players, even if it's only fifty percent, even if it's fifty percent of it or whatever. Um, but now we're sort of we got this thing of all right, who else else could we be signing in this window you know we've got Tony in already which was a good move so yeah I, I think it's sort of we send these players with our blessings now as long as we get good money for them and the Ellard and, 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 and I said I haven't seen you over the holiday but actually we did because we, we met up virtually when we were talked to Ted Knutson didn't we uh, a few weeks ago and if you haven't checked it out you must check this out we did an analytics special on Besotted on Pride of West dot London we got Ted Knutson from Statsbomb who, who used to work for Redford for a year he was involved in uh, the buying in of uh, well a draft of players at the time when we sort of turned over from Warburton to uh, sort of the Marion Dyke Housing, uh, Marinus Dykehausen era so he was involved in a load of players from there so we got him on for an hour we chatted with him for an hour and we had a really interesting chat about the Fulham the playoff final how Brentford did last season and potentially how Brentford may be doing in the future so you should definitely 100% check that out 
Pride of West Dot London. There's a little bit of XG chat going on then there, but it's actually talked about it in a bigger sense as to how football kind of works with the statistics sort of thrown into the pot and um, basically how, how, how well Brentford have done over the years. And the question we did also ask was... Um, is it going to come to an end sometime? Is everyone going to catch up? And you have to listen to the podcast to hear what Ted's answer is to be that one. But anyway, listen, we... Nice little intro this, actually. In the fresh air here in the garden, in the Sussex... Oh, is it the Sussex Arms? What's this place called? Sussex Arms in Twickenham, yeah. Sussex Arms in Twickenham. Like, you know, It's a little bit of a different twist on this one as well. So we're sitting in the Sussex Arms and uh, we're going to be talking about transfers because there's a big transfer came in today. Griffin Park, one that we've been expecting for quite a while. To be honest with you, we were probably expecting it about a year ago. So where, it's been, where, uh, I say Griffin, well, new Griffin Park even, like I was saying. Um, and we expected it a year ago and it was procrastinated. But it's happened now. We're going to be talking about Ollie Watkins leaving Brentford. To go somewhere else. Oliver George Arthur Watkins. <laughs> Signed for Brentford in 2017 for £1.8 million from Exeter. Undisclosed, of course. But robbed, it, mate. We were robbed. We were robbed. You know, but undisclosed means that we have to disclose what the fee was because all this undisclosed nonsense. We're not having any of that. He, three seasons for the Beast. He started off on the wing. Everyone knows this, but not everyone knows. Actually, I was saying that. We say everyone knows this, but they don't because I've been getting, like I said to you, so many calls and messages from people out of the Brentford circle, Premier League people, even Aston Villa fans, who've got no idea about Ollie Watkins, got no idea if he's any good, don't have any idea what position he plays, and are wondering whether or not they've paid too much money for him. So we just thought we'd just throw the facts into the middle. First season, out on the wing, he started for us. He scored 11 goals. We thought, cool, that's, that's good. It's quite a good return. Second season, he scored 12 goals on the wing. And then last season, he was meant to be playing on the wing. We just sold Malpay and we failed to get Godosh over the line because of his agents came in and caused all sorts of malarkey in the, the transfer debating room that they decided, told him to go away. And we didn't sign him. We didn't sign Lyle Taylor. We didn't sign anyone. So he said to Ollie Watkins, Ollie, mate, you've got to go in the middle. And Ollie turned around and said, listen, bear with me. The fans bear with me. It's going to take me a little while. I've never done this before. And he worked hard. And in the end, he did the business, scoring 26 goals this season. So he jumped from 12 to 26. And now you can see why everyone's around him, like, you know, pig to shit. And if you can imagine, if, if he went for 28, what, 28 million, 33 million, in effect, now, what value he would have been a year ago when he scored 12 goals? You know, I mean, he probably wouldn't have been much more than 20, really, 15 million, really. You know, if you're looking about, you know, where we're at. So it shows you moving him into that position and tr- tr- get him into another level has done so much for Brentford, so much for him, so much for everything. But also, again, it was something that um, Ted Knutson said on the podcast the other day when he was talking about, you know, a lot of people in footballing circles are saying how Thomas Frank has done a fantastically great job in taking Ollie Watkins and making him a centre forward he saw the potential in him he took him in he trained him up and got him to that next level to enable him to go out there score the goals and get a move to the Premier League and you've got to you know you've got to you know tip your hat, tip your hat not only to Ollie but to everyone else around to see the potential and actually make it work didn't you I mean this is a sad moment and I'm just saying that because I love Ollie because I think he's brilliant lovely bloke you know I've talked to many like I said Villa podcasts talked to many Villa people I think he's a brilliant person a lovely person and I'm sad to see him go but um, this is this is also quite good for Brentford isn't it yeah for sure I mean it's 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 good income isn't it you know if you can buy a player 
and make um what is it i don't know let's say 30 million i mean obviously x are going to get some money so it probably isn't that much but but 25 million or whatever um in the period of and you're talking about sorry exeter exeter on a 15 percent um sell-on as well so exeter get around about four million for that as well yeah so four and a half million so so say we've made 25 i guess um someone can correct my maths later if they want so it, it's, it's it's good value and and like you say um it was that moving him into centre forward that really gave him all of that that major value because because teams they want players that can play football but teams still like players that score goals and and Watkins obviously proved this season that he can score goals. He um, for, for me he was always going to end up a centre forward. Um, I, I I would have said that in 2017. I'm sure. Um, because he because he looked like he had the attributes to become a centre forward, and and to be honest, I actually thought he took. I would have. I expected him to be playing up front probably by last season, not last season, but 2018-19, not not 19-20. That's when I thought he'd make that transition, which he didn't really. Um, obviously, because of Mope actually, you know, became really strong. Remember that was that period when when Watkins first joined the club. My recollection is Mope had just joined. Viber was injured. There was a bit of a who should play up front, and and some talk about Watkins then, but but it wasn't until this season. And at that time, Watkins actually said he preferred to play on the wing, and that's what it was as well. You know, we spoke to them because we thought he came from Exeter as a centre forward but he said he preferred to play on the wing and I think maybe the, the reason why is that he likes to come he likes to find the ball sometimes you know play a little bit deeper play you know a little bit out rather than being the target person I, I guess to be honest it, you, you, you might say you want to be you prefer to be in a winger but it also depends how the team are going to play you as a centre forward to be honest who wants to be a centre forward when, it's, when all the team is going to do is lump balls up you and you're going to have to scrap for balls which isn't what has, you know Watkins has, has had to do for most of last season albeit that when he when it did happen he was bloody good at it as well um so you can imagine why you know being a center forward especially when you're playing in the lower leagues isn't a lot of fun it's a lot of bloody hard work it probably is much you know more fun to play out on the wing than it is playing up front but he made that transition and last season the first month or two we were all a bit is it gonna work is it isn't it is it and then and then it just seemed to click and it clicked pretty early you know probably by early october he, he just looked like a natural centre forward, and he's never looked back. And and the, and the value he's added, obviously, in the in in his last um, eight months, has just been incredible. So yeah, good luck to him. Brilliant. It was, it was the Barnsley game actually, because that's when he scored the hat trick. And uh, if I remember rightly, he scored the hat trick against Barnsley away when we won. That's it, five one. Uh, I think I think it was towards the end of September that was, and then we had a couple of games. But then it was the, for me the game that I always remember as the Ollie Watkins game is Millwall when we were losing two 0 with seven minutes to go, and then he scored that last minute winner, and then look on his face when he ran across the pitch in the blue shirt, the blue shirt which I was hoping was going to be the Brentford commemorative <laughs> promotion Premier League shirt. But unfortunately, that's not the case. But we shall move on from that. But I just remember that with Ollie in that match, and I just thought, here we go, you know this guy's absolutely wicked and that actually turned his season around and turned our season around and and he added goals of his head as well you know that that was one thing we saw that as he developed into a striker he was scoring goals with his head too is it the he scored a hat he scored the hat trick of headers didn't he so you know and and he's just become the 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 perfect all-round striker and he is very 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 good and sorry to Villa fans he probably is better than you if I'm honest
Oh, ouch! So saucy. Um, no, so I was going to say, you know, you, you spot on. There was there was always a, um, uh, an inevitability about him switching to a more central position, um, and you know, we we thought we were going to we were getting a striker, and we ended up with another winger. But you know, more pay did keep him out of that position. Um, but when he was given his opportunity, he he really did grasp it and you know we say the added value but that that switch from the wing to centre forward is I reckon it added 20 million to him because I don't think anyone was going to pay more than 10 million for him as, as, a, as another winger um, they, someone was always going to say you need to, need to add goals to your game you know that's when you're going to get the real value we've seen you know we, we, we've we've sold a lot of players for some incredible money in the last five or six years but the real money is, is obviously in, as for strikers so if, if you if you can turn um, a raw talent that's a wide player into um, you know a proven goal scorer the amount of chances that we create the amount of quality chances we create people people knock us and they, they, they rib us for our XG but you know the fact is we create a lot of good goal scoring chances and you put a player like him um, on the end of them uh, you, you, it's, it's win win all round so yeah he, he's an incredibly nice guy we've said that he's an incredibly intelligent footballer he makes the runs for for, for, um, for, for midfielders or visionary passes um, to, to be able to pick out and you just—I'm not going to be quite salty as the Allard, but I do—I do, I do fear that um, he's not going to get the service at Villa. And you know, I'm, I'm in the process of finishing an Aston Villa book at the moment, and the guy, the, 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 the two two Aston Villa authors, we've been—I've been, you know, been taking the piss out of them today, saying, "Oh, is another Brentford player for you to go and ruin?" Um, another on the long list, and um, they're like, "Yeah, we, we hopefully we've learned our lesson that we will not do what we did with Hogan and just." Expect him to score goals without giving him the same service that he, you know you 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 gave him to score those goals. So you know, luckily they got you know they got Dean Smith and you know and Richard O'Kelly there. They, they'll know that what kind of service that that they need to provide to get the best out of Ollie Watkins. But he's again he's up against a kind of a different standard of defender now. So it's, it's a tough one, tough one for him. But we have got some incredible money. And uh, as I said in the intro, it excites me that you know what we're going to go and do with it. Ollie Watkins. I mean, the fact is that you know okay, he's got a villa, but you know you scored 26 goals, and um, everyone's going to be after you. Doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's going to get you because everyone's got to pay the money. Brentford went up there, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. I was quite like the idea that you know we went in and we put our price, and they tried to knock us down. Even Villa tried to knock us down. They started to get upset because we wouldn't drop our price. It's like, you know, hold on a second, our price is 26 million, right? Or 26 million plus 33 million. And that's what it was. And if you don't want to pay it, it doesn't really matter because we've just signed him on a new long contract and he'll stay with us. And he's got a good agent and his agent isn't going to mess us around. We're all going to stick in this, this together. And Dean Smith knows what we're like and he ain't going to mess us around. So, listen, we, we stuck to, the, to our guns and we got the money that we wanted. And like I said to you, it wasn't like the old school DJ Campbell days and all this kind of stuff. We stuck to what we wanted to. But 
in principle, he could have gone to quite a few other places. I mean, talking about other teams that are sniffing around, I mean, I don't know if West Ham, West Ham seem to be sniffing around all our players. I'm not sure if they're in for him or not, but, you know, they're always a, a bit of a joke team because they never actually come up with the money at all. But Tottenham were a team who are reputed to be in for, for, for Ollie Watkins as well. You know, from what I can gather, Tottenham, yes, yes, they their inquiries are there, but they were nowhere near what we were looking at. And it's quite interesting because, you know, you see these teams who are much happier you know Leeds fans were ringing me up and bragging that they got you know somebody in the Spanish national team for 27 million pounds so that's better value than Ollie Watkins and I said you know okay listen that's fair play to you but you know he's coming over from Spain into the UK will he be able to acclimatize will he do the right business will he be able to fit in I've got no idea so it's almost it seems that teams seem to be happier to take somebody from abroad who they perceive is a better player than actually kind of play for somebody who is actually really good and with, with Ollie Watkins a lot of people were scared off by the price yeah yeah well it's going to exclude anyone in our league it's in it, it's it's where, how far down the pecking order of of the premiership teams has he got to go before he's guaranteed first first team football i think i think he is guaranteed first team football at um, aston villa um i i, I don't th- how 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 much further up do you need? I mean, was he going to get first team football? We talked about him going to Leicester. You know, Matt, you're, I'm sure you'll, you'll say it again in a minute. You know, you, you thought he was a you know an ideal replacement for Jamie Vardy. If Jamie Vardy's got a season or two left in him at that very very top table, you know, is, is he better off going to a to a Leicester City? He, 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 he doesn't start for Southampton at the moment, does he? Because you know they've got Ings. So it's it's it, he's he's a he's a lower half starter in the Prem. Um, West Ham, I would have thought, would have been a good fit. Tottenham probably would have been a good fit, but if they're not going to pay the money, they may as well not even pick up the phone, to be honest. And that's the reason why, if we had gone up 100%, Ollie Watkins was going to stay for us. I mean, that's that's the word. That is the word that he was going to stay with us. And it's a bit of a shame because I would have liked to, Ollie Watkins to join the journey with us into the new stadium, new Griffin Park, as we call it. But, you know, that's not to be. The Allard, I mean, you were talking about Leicester. Yeah, I was just, I was sort of, you know, my thoughts are is that he's not, he's not completely dissimilar to Vardy, is he? I mean, he's he's very strong with the ball in front of him. He probably has a bit more about his game than Vardy as well. Um, I just felt that, you know, at some point Leicester are going to need another centre forward. Uh, obviously, he probably wouldn't play much this season um, unless they could they could have used him as a winger, I guess, or um, maybe change their system a bit. Um, it just, yeah, it. I just feel that he could slot in somewhere, have a season to get used to the Premier League and then really, really kick on. Um, I, my only worry about Villa is that, you know, if it's a, if it's a battle of a season for them, um, it just, you know, it, it just could make it a bit harder for him than him, than him having the opportunity to sort of l- learn his way rather than have to sort of fight his way through it, if you know what I mean. I know. And just interesting because we talked about him converting from a winger to a centre-forward. And uh, obviously we, you know, we, 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 we've sold our centre-forward now, so we need a new centre-forward. We've signed Ivan Tony, who we're going to talk about a little bit later when we talk about the Wickham game. So, you know, Ivan Tony is the, the person that we've got there. But in my head, I was looking at the goals that he scored. 11 goals as a winger first season, 12 goals a winger second season, 26 goals uh, third season. Now, interestingly, we've got a winger who scored quite a lot of, more goals than actually Ollie Watkins did. And Bumo scored 15 goals in his first season as a winger for Brentford. And I'm just wondering, is he the type of player that, you know, with Thomas Frank's skills, could take him, throw him in the middle and turn him into a 26, 28 goal striker? 
as you know, Bill, um, I think there's more to be a centre forward than scoring goals. And um, my thoughts about why Watkins could become a good centre forward wasn't because I thought he'd score 26 goals. It was because I just thought he had the physical attributes to play as a centre forward. Um, and I saw more of that in him in his, in 2017 than I have seen in in Bremo um, last season. So I, I I think Bremo he for me he feels like he just needs to have a bit more of a free role. I'm not really sure he could run the line on his own just as a, as a one player up front battling the way that Watkins has done um, last year. I, I don't quite see that in him if I'm honest. Um, that doesn't mean I don't think he'll score goals. I just don't think he has the other all round play that Watkins has has developed and we've seen him develop this season I, I, I think you know clearly Ivan Tony's the number one striker we've you know we have got two others we've got you know we've got force and Devasoglu. Um Mbwemo, he could play there I mean he's absolutely you know he's, 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 a, he's a he's a unit he's, he's powerful he's, he's got skill he knows he knows how to read the game um, but it's a big second season for him, um, and he don't. Let's not forget. He, he, he after you know getting COVID, he did struggle for form towards the back end of like the post lockdown. I think hopefully he can come out um, the start of the next season and show show the strength that we saw when he was at his best. I mean, you know, he, I think he was. He's quite devastating at times. Um, you know, the, what is one or two goals that uh, that just stand out from from the um, from that post lockdown period. And uh, you know he, he he's he's very very important to us, and I th- I, th- I think we play play him at their strengths. He's, he's he's stronger out on the wing at the moment in an emergency possibly. I talked to Sam Saunders actually about Bumo when he was in the pub with us uh, in the lockdown when we were watching the playoffs actually just probably about 10 minutes before uh, Sam Saunders got on the table to start singing uh, Hey Jude or whatever he was singing actually with us, which was actually very good in the Globe. But um, and I said to Sam Saunders, I said to him, listen. Is the situation with uh, with Bumo? Is he? Um, you know, we thought that he had when he had COVID, and he came back. And he's not quite as good as he should have been with uh, when he did the uh, when he had the when he had the, when the, when the COVID. Do you think that it's affected him? And he just went, no. He goes, he's just young. And we said, what do you mean? He goes, he's young. People forget he's only twenty, and at the time he's only twenty. He's only twenty years old. People just think that he's really old and experienced, but he's a really young player still, and he's got a lot to learn. And, I, and you couldn't really say anything about that. So you know, he is only. I mean, he's just. I just looked. His birthday was in first week in August. He's twenty-one years old. He plays for France under twenty-one. He scored fifteen goals in his first season away from home. Um, listen, you know that, that player is only going to get better. And like I said to you, one of the top people. Again, we you know we don't mention any names, but you know we, we, we talked to quite a lot of people. Say that he's one of the most skillful players that they have ever bought at Brentford. So that makes me feel very good. Yeah, I mean, I'll ask you some questions about him. Do you think his first season was better than Watkins' first season? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Do you think it was better than Malpe's first season? I, I definitely. Yeah. Do you think it was better than Ben Rama's first season? Yeah. 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 So we've got a player on our hands, haven't we? <laughs> and the Allard has asked the questions and he's got the answers that he wanted uh, the Brumo the is the next man and the thing is I'll put him in my team of the season like I said to you and I was got laughed off by fans from other teams going why did he pick all these Brentford players and it's just like because they're good Bumo, you don't know anything about it. He has been hyped up. That's why all the other ones have been. Ben Rama's been hyped up, but he hasn't been hyped yet. And people will be finding out about him this season. But talking about Ben Rama, I mean, Ollie Watkins is gone. You know, we're talking about 
um, BMW has been broken up. If you check out Sky on Saturday before the match, we will be talking. There's a little, going to be a little Brentford feature, you know, shot in and around both the grounds, actually. Griffin Park and new Griffin Park as well. We'll be talking about all sorts of stuff. It's only about a minute long, but you'll see a familiar face in that one, as they say, <laughs> but um, which is all good. But we talked about um, the BMW. Yeah, oh, well, oh dear, that's a shame, isn't it? But anyway, listen, but we, um, we're talking about uh, the BMW being broken up and uh, and they are um, Watkins has gone and Ben Rama is going to go which means that the only person left is going to be the Mbumo Ben Rama though um, one of the questions that was asked to me by the filler fans today was um, Ben Rama I mean oh, the, the hype on him I thought he'd be gone first day of the season and I'm really surprised he hasn't gone I mean are you struggling to get rid of him and they couldn't understand that you know he was still with us now obviously He's got a price tag on him. Brentford are sticking with the price tag. Do you think that Ben Rama is a slightly different or more difficult property to get rid of because of the type of player that he is? Or do you just think that we're just holding out until the right offer comes? Um, I think he possibly is a bit harder to... I, I think with Ben Rama, um, we, we sometimes get criticised for calling him a luxury player. Um, is he, I mean, he works hard for sure, but I, I still think that he'll be viewed as a player that that maybe there are teams in the in the bottom half of the Premier League that are going to be scrapping for their lives. Will think that can they afford to have Ben Rama? Possibly, I mean, you know, we we've seen him work relative. You know, he does work, doesn't he? I mean, I'm, you know, he, he works hard, but I just think there might be teams the, the lower sort of Premier League teams might be a bit scared. Of, of spending a lot of money on him, to be honest, and and maybe a better fit for him would be higher up the leagues, would be higher up the Premier League, or even somewhere else where he can play in a top half team. Yeah, I'm, I, I 100% agree with that. I I think at his best, he's able to fit into any of those top teams. I think he could do a, you know, he, he wouldn't be out of um, out of place at Arsenal, Man City, um, Liverpool. Um, but um, are they going to pay, are they going to be paying twenty five thirty million pounds for a kind of a bit of a player that would be on the periphery of, of the first team? I don't think he's a week in week out at any of those teams, and I think um, he's too 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 much of a, a luxury purchase for for play, for teams below. Burnley aren't going to be buying him, um, you know. Southampton aren't going to be buying him. Villa don't need that kind of player they've got Grealish and they've got Trezeguet and they've got they've got players that you know they, they've got I don't know um, a bit more kind of they're a bit more robust um, but he's, he's for the right right team he might have to go abroad uh, I, I think he, he, he's class he's absolute quality and you know we, we, we can rave about him and it it's almost doesn't do him justice some games but uh, you know I, I, I do get the impression that there was kind of a gentleman's agreement that if he, if he stays and gives it his all for the rest of last season then we won't stand in his way but we haven't stood in his way but no one's stood up to the mark yet and, and come in for him so is there every chance that he will be playing in red and white stripes for Brentford next season? Again, you know, people sniffing around, West Ham sniffing around. This is the whole thing, and it's, that it's the window. The window The window doesn't close for another month. You know, they're all trying to squeeze you down. They think you're desperate to get rid, all this kind of stuff. His agent is, is not the same as Ollie's agent. So Ollie, you know, his agent, I'm sure he'll work together with us to make it work. We don't know about the Ben Rama's agent and how it's working out there. Maybe, you know, when you see all these Instagram um, videos and stuff that he does, 
you know, it all seems to be part of a bigger picture of marketing himself rather than maybe necessarily working with, with the, you know, with the club to make things happen. So what I'm trying to say to you is here that maybe his transfer is a different type of transfer, a different mechanism and, you know, something that maybe we've got slightly less control about. Maybe there's conversations that's being had that we don't know anything about and then all of a sudden Brentford gets put into the, the loop and then after somebody comes in and tries to bid us some money but it's not the money that we want and so we're going to play the game because we don't have to sell him. So we'll say, tell you something, you're offering us 12 million or 14 million and it's all right, don't worry, we'll sit here, we'll wait and at the end of the day, it's going to be October. The second week in October, the day before the window shuts, and it all goes a bit mental. Where oh, West Ham go, all oh, right, here we go. We could slap the money down, and that's where I believe it's just probably going to happen. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know what he does for the next four weeks because I don't think he's going to play for us. Do you? I don't know. Maybe we might, might, might play him. Maybe we might play him. We just say, well, there you go. You know, no one's come in for you, or no one's put the bid in. But I mean, at the moment now, from what I can feel is they are people, serious people up for him, but it's, it's all about price haggling. Yeah, I, 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 I guess it's, you know, does his value, do we just sit on it and, and we say this is how much we're, we want for him? If nobody meets that value, we push it, push it, push it. Do we cave in in the last couple of hours of the transfer window? Or, or do we just hold off until January? Or do we hold off until January and play him and try and increase his value? Maybe we should play him up front and increase his value again and score some goals. <laughs> go for 50 or 60 million. I'm sure, sure uh, we've got a, new, got a new manager at Barcelona that might be interested in him. I, yeah, I look, Bill, you know, we, we've got complete trust in the DOFs and, and, and the way that they do their business and the way they kind of strategise it, the way they probably have got plan B and plan C for him. They're not going to just like let, let it run and run and, and lose their position on it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something that I think he'll only go for the money, the money that we want for him, for the right niche team, and they 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 might be a little bit rarer than we thought, and um, you know, and in, in this in this, I'm, I'm you know I'm uh, talking about the Ollie Watkins transfer. I'm sure I, I'm actually surprised that that kind of money is being spent because there's so much uncertainty. I know they got their Premiership windfall, but there is so much uncertainty about crowds returning, um, c- commercial revenue streams, whether sponsorship deals are going to be the, you know as big going forward. You know, that's still still big big money when there's a massive question mark hanging over the whole industry. We don't even you know there was talk about. Um, you know, um, trial um, crowds being let in in October. Again, is that going to happen now? So, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the game at the moment. To be pledging 33 million potentially on, on, on one player, I'd say is a bit jaw-dropping. And that's why I think with Ollie Watkins, it's probably a le- much less of a risk because he scored the goals and he's a good player than Ben Rama and I, you know for me I'm saying just kind of like what you're saying is there I think there's actually a few Premier, most Premier League teams will be scared of Ben Rama he's, he's, he's a beautiful player he does some great memes and you know and gifts when you put it on, on the internet and you see all the skills that he does but then obviously we all know the weaknesses of Ben Rama as well which need to be worked on and some of these teams they're like they, they want the finished product so they'll go over to wherever and they think they'll bring somebody who's the finished product where you know he could come in with another really great coach and work him up to another level so there's probably three or four teams in the Premier League who probably would take a risk on Bruno Rama, but they probably don't want to do it at the price that we want to sell him for. So that's where the, the bartering comes in. But, you know, other than Ben Rama as well, there's a few other... I think what is really interesting... 
Um, it's been said in a few statements, and Thomas Frank said it on press conference on TV after the game when they start to talk about other players being sold, and he was just saying, "We're not sending any other players. We're not sending any other players." Again, you know, in Besotted here, we we talk to people, we hear what's going on on the street, as they say, and we have heard it absolutely 100%. We are not looking to sell any other players. Side side Ben Rama, if he goes, he goes. But other than that, we're holding it tight. We're trying to keep our squad intact. I'm going to build from that to move forward, which I think is really promising because everyone keeps saying Brentford are a selling side. We sell at the right price and at the right time. And at this time, I think we feel it's not the right time to sell players like, you know, Henry, with a few people sniffing around him, maybe. You know, Raya, which is the big one. You know, we got uh, was it in, uh, Inca. Uh, uh, is it Inca? The, the old goalkeeping coach, Brentford goalkeeping coach, has gone over to Arsenal, doing very well over there. Very good relationship with Raya. He's obviously in their ear saying you need to sign him. They've come inside there. Apparently there's been £10 million, you know, which has said, ah, see you later. No, we're not having any of that. So, uh, you know, Arsenal believe, because they're Arsenal, they could throw another £5 million into the pot and it will do the deal. You know, that's what all my Arsenal uh, sources are saying. They're very, very excited. Reckon they'll do the deal. We're only look like Brentford. Brentford are going, nah, sorry, he's not for sale, which I think is really, really interesting. Yeah, it's a massively interesting move because um, I, I, I don't think that a season with Luke Daniels in goal is a season you get promoted. Um, so I, 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 it's a big question mark over um, our, our second and maybe not third. I don't think Ellery Balkan has been given um, enough of an opportunity. You know, he, he's had rave reviews for three or four seasons. So, you know, it, it, it should be a breakthrough year for him at some stage, you hope. If he's going to have a you know, big career in the game, you need to get some first team um, uh, league experience uh, David Raya is 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 prone to an error um, all goalkeepers are um, he, he had an exceptional season and you know for him to win the golden gloves I, I thought he fully deserved that his distribution is just just top top notch um, sounded a bit like Thomas Franklin is uh, top top notch um, so he, he He's a big part of the way we play, building from the back, being able to pick a pass out, choosing to to, to, to roll it out or to, to kick short or, or or pick out a pass. You know, some some of his passing is just like incredible. So he he would be a massive miss. And it, you know, we we talked about this on WhatsApp earlier. The kind of money it would have to take, it would have to be at least fifteen million because we paid we paid Blackburn a, 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 a quite a lot of money for him anyway. Three. Yeah, so three million. So they'll get a sell-on fee of that. I'm, you know, have no doubt. Um, so you'd be looking at to, to get to get something as good as him. You'd be spending, you know, ten million anyway. So you know, that's, that's the reason Arsenal are, are thinking of spending it because they're, they're not to a penny. I, yeah, I think he's almost. He's not impossible to replace, but it'd be very, very, very difficult to replace. And it's it's less about his goalkeeping skills and more about his footballing skills. I mean, he is te- sweeper keeper. He's a sweeper keeper. Yeah, and then <laughs> to be honest, that's the way football's going. I, I I believe. I believe you know that rather than um, than you convert goalkeepers into teach them how to kick the ball, you're going to be converting good footballers into goalkeepers because I just I I think that's the way the game is going to go. Is that that 
the goalkeepers need to be able to play football and he's the first one we've ever seen at Brentford you know if you go back to poor old uh, Benno who, um, who when the back pass rule was was um, taken away it virtually finished his career because he was so hapless with the ball at his feet <laughs> poor bloke um, I mean we love Benstead obviously but but just um, you know that was a nightmare for him um, but if you look at Raya you know he, he I'll be happy to see him stand up and take a penalty in the in the top five, in the first five, in a penalty shootout, he's he looks like a footballer, and and what you can't do, and and unfortunately, you know, this is um, there's no nothing against Luke Daniels as a goalkeeper, but we're never going to be able to get Luke Daniels to play football no. with his feet the way that Raya does. Raya's a natural; he's an absolute natural. And it's interesting you talk about Ellery Balkum, who played. Um, in the in the Wickham Cup match as well, and that was his first game. He had an operation, so you know he was out. I think he got injured. You know when he was on loan over to the the Danish team. Is it Viborg he was playing for the Danish team anyway? And he got injured, and he's been out. He, he, he's had a he's had an operation, and he's just come back his first game. And it's interesting because last year I was at St George's Park actually. Uh, I went to meet Harry Kane and a few other people as well. In fact, I met half the England team, and that was the same day that Balkan was playing for the under 21s. But that day they choose a few players to play for the senior team. So Bellary Balkan was actually training with the England senior team. So I spoke to a few of my uh, characters up there and uh, I was talking about Bellary Balkan just to find out how he's getting on. And they were very impressed with him. And, you know, just get a little bit of feedback about Brentford. And the, the one thing that they said to me is like, you know, he needs to be start getting a first team action. He needs first team action. I said, I think at the time I said he's playing over in, over in Denmark for a team. And they said, yeah, this is the one thing now, now. The eyeballs are on him. He's playing for the under-21s. He's training with the first team. So he needs to be getting some first team action. So obviously this must be very much in Brentford eyes that the fact that you know Ellie Balkan is a player who is people are going to be looking at because you know they say there's Premier League teams are going to be looking at a goalkeeper like that because if you're in the England squad you know there's going to be teams that are going to be looking to snap them up bring them in put them on the bench and keep them for a while and make them their first team keeper after a while so we need to have a plan for the Balkan it's very important yeah it was a shame that uh, you know that the the Oxford's game that he came on a sub towards the end as well didn't he and uh, it, it coincided with the, the two two fuck ups um, when good wasn't particularly very good with one of them <laughs> and uh, you know the, then they then they sort of uh, again it was just like scored from a stupid angle so he, he probably didn't do his confidence levels very good there at all so it's you know he, he needs to get into the first team but you know I can't see it happening at Brentford not not, not this season you know we, we, we don't need rookie goalkeepers coming in for their for their for their you know their virgin season in, in league football he, he was another one to go out on loan again probably the beat but he's too good for the B team and he's not good enough he's not good enough he's not experienced enough for Brentford's A team it, it seems with keepers you can be a work in progress for six or seven years you know going out on loan and until you find your until you find your place and your way um, and uh, maybe it's another season out on loan I know, I know we've just sent Gunnison out on loan but may, maybe he goes out on loan as well maybe he hangs around plays some B team games plays a cup game but still hard to see you know where he's going to get football Talking about out on loan and one thing that you've seen about Brentford is that Brentford they, we obviously know where our level is our level is a top three stroke a top two side so you know some of the moves that we might have done you know two or three years ago we had players sort of hanging around trying them out we now seem to be much quicker if we feel the player isn't right and players fitting in to try and find another home for them either permanently 
or on loan. So there's been a few little moves. Obviously, Camo, we didn't renew his contract. You know, he was looking for a particular wage, a particular fee. But, we, you know, and also we had moved on. We brought in a few extra midfielders. So Camo ran out his contract. He's now signed for Cincinnati. We've been chatting with the Cincinnati people as well. I mean, the Allard spoke with the Cincinnati posse out there. They were very excited about the Camo coming over to them, weren't they? They were talking about transitions and all sorts. Yeah, they're, they're very excited about him. Um, I think... I think what you have to think is that, you know, we've, uh, uh, apart from you, it has obviously also gone to um, to play in uh, Major League Soccer, uh, but Wright Phillips went and Mike Greyer went, and both of them were massive successes at, um, at New York Red Bulls. And you, we've got to say that Camo is, like, way ahead of the levels they're at when they played for Brentford, albeit Greyer went via a few other clubs. But, but Wright Phillips went straight to um, the, um, Red Bulls. So, you know, they're quite excited, and I guess they should be. Um, I think what I said to them basically was Camo's a fantastic player. Um, all, we, all you need to make sure is that he's fit because he needs to be able to, you know, cover the ground. Um, what it's all about for Camo is, is getting in there, covering that ground, and, and basically being at 100%. And when he's at 100%, he was a formidable player. In fact, we were... We, we were better side probably for a good 12 months when he played during that period where he was sometimes fit, sometimes not fit. Um, and we just hope that, I hope for those guys, it seemed like a nice bunch that we've sent a player that can reproduce that. Yes, and they're very, very excited about him as well. And talking about MLS, Yearwood as well, Drew Yearwood, which is a bit of a surprise, this one. He's gone over to Red Bull. I think they're called um, New Jersey Red Bulls now as well, which is they sort of, as they do, they change their name and change their city and just move around, but never get relegated because they can't get relegated because that means that you might lose a lot of money, you know. Uh, so uh, it's not quite as exciting in America because of the lack of relegation. But yes, the Yearwood is at the Red Bulls, which is an interesting team because they are, um, you know, part of the Red Bull family. You know, they've got Red Bull license. Apparently what they do is that they've got this whole thing where they bring in players who are meant to be up and coming, you know, players from around the world, try to develop them up in the in the, in the American farm and then try to ship them out maybe to elsewhere. And if they're good enough, maybe they might end up in Leipzig or other places. So it's almost like they're not going in like other teams to go and try and buy the best players, but trying to buy the up and coming players. And there's, there's quite a few interesting things happening in the MLS because they're actually trying to change a lot of their strategy at the moment now they're trying to up their game obviously there's a lot of money swilling around in America and I think that we might actually see an increase in quality in the MLS because there's players who normally go that used to go there at the end of their and their careers but now there's players that are actually going here in the middle of their careers and sometimes even at the start of their careers I mean I know there's a there's a there's a team starting up in in Charlotte uh, at the moment now as well and you know they're looking at you know all looking at different players at the moment now who are decent players. They're not like end-of-their-life players. We're talking about decent players which they're signing up, which I think is actually a really interesting strategy and could be a good home for, for certain players in this in this country. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, what I took from, from speaking to the guys at Cincinnati was that, you know, it's a, it's a big club. It's, it's, I mean, it's probably a bigger club than Brentford, if we're brutally honest. You know, I think they get 17,000, 18,000 a game and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it's... It, the sport is it seems to have got a foothold in America it's not like it was when you had the Cosmos in the sort of late 70s and Pele and all of that where it was there and there was this big sort of buzz for it but it didn't did it have a foothold in all the markets but it does seem to have much more of a foothold now and and maybe you know MLS will become part of the whole sort of merry-go-round around the world in terms of transfers and stuff like that. So it's amazing that Red Bull have got so much money to spend on sport. I know that, you know, they've got, so they've got three or four soccer teams around 
around the world. They had two F1 teams at one stage. They had Red Bull and Toro Rosso. They got... They just... How come the so that's the Red Bull? How come the vodka manufacturers haven't got the same? And, and this is and music as well. And again, you know, I mean, I mean, I know this in the music game where their policy was that you know they had studios which they had mm. in in town, and basically people go there. You didn't hire it out. They just basically wanted the coolest people to come in and start recording. So they got all the coolest producers. You know, they put money into certain events. So their whole idea is that what they do is that they're putting money in to events to create things which they believe are different, whether or not it's from a music perspective or whether or not it's from a you know, music perspective, whether or not it's from a sporting perspective. They're just doing all these things. Um, Red Bull, we're getting kicked out of the garden here as well, um, um, because that is what their angle is. So they've got ridiculous marketing budgets to basically set them apart from the rest. But um, we, we, you know, we need to we're just quickly, we're going to talk about Valencia as well. He's also been farmed off back to Poland. So he's gone off on loan, but we're not going to ever see him again, I don't believe. You know, we believe that probably he has not been the right player for us. So he's going over to Poland um, to Lech uh, Warsaw, I think it is. And they're going to take a percentage of a sell on fee for him as well. And also Jean Vier, he's gone off to Turkey as well for a year. So I don't believe we'll see him again. So we've got not rid Red of. No, no, it's not Red Bull Turkey. So there's four <laughs> players we have. But listen, that is the transfers we're talking about. We're going to come back we're going to talk about a little bit more about Brentford after we have been ejected from the garden to go back inside the pub so after that deep and long discussion we're coming on to the season we've got to talk about the season which has come about thick and fast as they say it seems literally like about three and a half days since that playoff final we sat in the globe you sat in Nash Vegas uh, and uh, we had our head in our hands for about three and a half minutes after we lost that match and we thought oh Christ we're going to have to go through the whole of the closed season thinking about having lost for Fulham and two days later we forgot about it and before we know it bang we're back in here yet again and in a strange way it's quite nice the league has started quickly I mean for me actually I would have been I could have quite done with another month or month and a half off I'll be honest with you it seems a little bit too quick but in a strange way also the fact that you know we have been in it thick and fast whereas a lot, lot of other fans they've probably given up halfway through the lockdown so for them that break has seemed really really long and for us also you can see for our players I think that we're relatively fit because we were fit all the way up to the final match they all went off to, to Greece, to Mykonos or wherever else they went to for a bit of a laugh for a couple of days, a couple of weeks. Then they've come back, bang, straight in it. So the, I think we've benefited a little bit from having, um, I would say losing the playoff final, but, but you know, for, for, for the way that we've gone about our business, you know, and we've had a quick turnaround, which is all good. And now we're back in it thick and fast. And what we also thought was really interesting is that normally we have a pre-season, you go down there, have a little warm-up, we go to uh, Boreham Wood. It's always the first match, isn't it? Boreham Wood. Ironically, actually, I went and saw the Bees play. Oh, not the Bees, I saw Boreham Wood play on Saturday. I went down to Wingate and Finchley, so desperate was I for football. And so Boreham Wood, they had no Bees to play, so they had to go for the Finchley instead. So we've got no Boreham Wood, we've got no pre-season friendly abroad. But what we do have is that they thought, tell you what, we'll mix and match. We'll throw in a friendly here, a friendly there, but also we've got the Nation League and all sorts of internationals, and we'll use them as our friendly for our players, because for the first time, we had enough players going out on international duty. And those internationals were, if you ever saw that England game, them England games, they were proper friendlies, they were. <laughs> they, they, they weren't the, the high-power games that you expect them to be. So, listen, the season is up and running and started. And listen, we had the matches, Oxford and Wickham game. The Allard, what's your thoughts on that? 
Well, I, do you know what? It's been a, like we said, it's been a really unusual pre-season in that I suppose in recent years what pre-season has developed into is a way to um, try out some stuff as a team but also to get players fit. So seldomly do you see the sort of the... That will, what will be the team you'll start with in the first game of the season until maybe the last pre-season friendly and then maybe you get 60 minutes where pretty much now the, what's been odd with this pre-season is because of the international stuff we haven't seen that so the last two um, and I mean I'm almost calling Wickham a pre-season friendly but it wasn't it was a pre-season cup game which also is a bit unusual um, but well it wasn't a bit unusual it was completely unusual a new thing although albeit that I think it's quite a good idea to have a cup game before the season starts um, but I'm getting distracted um, the Oxford game pre-season friendly but players out on international duty so it's almost it's almost you have to go back to the West Ham game to kind of get a feel for what the first team is going to be for the for the game against Birmingham because the players have been split across international camps with maybe 50% of them playing at playing at home um, in the um, in the in the Oxford and the Wickham game so a bit a bit unusual but you know we've um I, th- I think what we've done is we've given some players some opportunities to to play with some of the first team players. We've given Tony a, a couple of good runouts, and um, we're you know it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in. He's going to have to be really ready to go on Saturday because clearly he's going to be he's going to be playing. He's got a lot of expectation on him for Saturday as well, which is you know possibly it would have been nice if he could have grown into the team a bit more, but actually he's going to be right up there. You know, he's going to be the, the main man and we're all going to be looking for him to, to provide goals. So, yeah, I, I think it's been a sort of a, a weird pre-season, a bit sort of off-kilter, if you know what I mean. Yes, it is. And like I said to you, we're getting used to things changing all the time. You know, our back end of the season was properly changed up. Our front end of the season has changed up. Um, but you can also maybe think, you know, it's for the, you know, it's for the better. I mean, like I said to you, there are a few international matches. Um, I, I mean, I think there's one international match that actually really did benefit us, and it was the England game in Denmark, and not anything that was going on in the England pitch, but what was going on on the Danish pitch, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Christian Norgard um, was voted man of the match in some of the Danish press. Um, he got a lot of minutes on the pitch. He got a lot of minutes by Martin Tyler talking about him, if I'm honest with you, as well. I mean, there was a, there was a lot of Brentford love going on there, and that would have upset a lot of our haters because Sky seemed to be in love with Brentford, and then, uh, you know, through, through, the, through the actual league season, and now it's going on to the international stage. It, it shows you the, like, the, 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 the stature and the kind of like the, uh, the, the the amount of uh, good things that are happening at our club where it's being picked up left, right and centre really. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd say as well, weirdly, that pre-season friendlies I always thought were used to get match fit and less and less am I convinced that the actual games they play actually get, get a match fit. So they, they seem to get match fit in, on the training pitch and then uh, they, they, they try tactics out on, in their pre-season games I just thought, oh, they ne- he needs 90 minutes. But all of a sudden, you've got, you got players that haven't played 90 minutes at all in pre-season. They come out and they start for, in the first game. They look like absolutely pin sharp. So 
you know, we've, 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 we've seen that a lot, you know, and it's like almost like if you said that Ben Rama, um, he, hasn't had, he hasn't had a minute of pre-season, but I bet you could play at Birmingham on Saturday and, you know, he, he's going to be as fit as, he won't, but, you know, he'll be fit, fit as probably anyway. So these, these players have got to keep themselves 90 minutes fit throughout the season because we're thinking it's pretty... You know, they're out on international duty. Some of these people haven't had a rest at all, really. So, um, you know, it, it's a very different era to when we were started watching pre-season friendlies in the sort of early 90s. Uh, I'm really excited that there's been a quick turnaround. That was one of the things that helped me get through the pain of the Fulham defeat, if I'm honest with you, is I knew we'd get a chance very quickly to put things right. Um, and the players will be, you know, apparently they were devastated. Apparently there was like lots of tears after the game, lots of tears back at the training ground the next morning. Um, but, you know, the nucleus of the team that, got, that did us so brilliantly last year is still here. And that is only going to help us because there's a lot of these players, the, the, you know, the Janssens, the Jensens, the, the Norsgaards, um, the, and the Mbwemo we've talked about their second, it's their second season um, at, at Brentford and, and, and they're only going to get better for it Canos, it's a big season for him he's come back from a horrendous injury he needs to resurrect his career he needs to show that you know, he hasn't lost the, uh, any, any pace he hasn't lost his sharpness um, so I'm glad that he's, he's almost dead cert to be in the starting lineup on, on, on Saturday um, I, I'm, I'm genuinely excited and that's not putting a brave face on it and that's not putting a spin on it I think the, the team that we will start with at, at St Andrews will get stronger between then and the end of the transfer window we've got money, not money to burn but we've got money to go out and bring in other players now and, and we will so you know, bookies have, bookies have installed us as one of the favourites um, and I think they've got every right to do so and you know we're talking about these teams I mean I'm, I'm it's almost like there's a little bit there's not guesswork here but there's a little bit of patchwork because I'm looking at the Oxford team I'm looking at the Wickham team and you're trying to work out I mean I think we've worked out you know who's going to be playing on Saturday but you're also trying to work out you know how they're doing how the form is you know okay for a start you know Daniels started for Oxford and uh, Daniels also started against Wickham uh, now the reason why is that apparently Raya is injured you know, nothing to do with the Arsenal bid and the fact that Arsenal came in for it all is the fact that apparently he's injured. If that is the case, then you would believe that hopefully he would have got over his injury and he'd be playing on Saturday because we're not selling any of our other players as well. So you would expect Raya to be in the team on Saturday unless, of course, the Arsenal bid has affected him somewhat and maybe his head's not in the right place. I mean, that's one of your theories, isn't it, the Allard? I don't know if it's one of my theories. It's just that um, my opening sort of question tonight was when we all sat down um, off off air was um, will Raya play on Saturday? And I'm not sure it's clear that he will. I think uh, I, I would have expected him to play in one of the pre-season friendlies. You know what it's like? It's you know these injuries that players have when there's transfer stuff going on around them. I mean Scott Hogan with his infamous buttock injury um, who who then did, couldn't play although he did play a few minutes against Chelsea um, all, all that sort of stuff and you sort of wonder if this is history repeating itself with, with, with Raya uh, you, so I, your guess is as good as mine on Saturday I'm not really sure what's going to happen on Saturday reading between the lines he's been massively distracted by it you know um, you, don't, you don't get the chance to sign in for Arsenal often in your career and if there's a sniff of it, I'm sure that he's, he is distracted by it. 
Um, you know, we, we, we all know what being headhunted by a bigger company may do for you. You know, it's, it's, it's life-changing. Um, it may not be the best move for him in terms of minutes on the pitch, but, you know, it's, it's going to be something that takes up a lot of his mental um, capacity. And uh, I just think it's important that if we pick any teams, any players that go on the pitch, they have to be 100% focused on Brentford. It may take a week or two weeks for him to be a first-team Brentford player again. He may never be right again. And looking at the teams as well, I mean, we're talking about Kenos. You mentioned him earlier as well. Uh, he's a player who, as we said, this is a big season for him he played a big part because you know a number of players being out on international duty so Canos played against Oxford he, uh, he also played against Wickham Wanderers as well now Connors Canos actually uh, had a penalty against Oxford uh, he would have been the first person to have scored in the new stadium and he missed the penalty but then after that he scored two goals two very good goals as well so Canos has been instilled as being the man um, I think what's been interesting about Canos is that he's been playing on the left. So he's been playing in Ben Rama's position, and that's you know clearly where we're looking at him to play. Quite probably on Saturday. That's that's where we're trying to work out if Canos fits in there. My, my best recollection of Canos is that he normally plays on the right. Think of his great goals, the one against Reading, stuff like that. It's him coming in from the right hand side. But we are trying him. We've, we've clearly been trying him out on the left in the pre-season friendlies. And he, and he, he almost curled uh, a Ben Rama one into the top corner, didn't he? Do you notice I didn't say top bins? Um, so you know, you know, like you know, Ben Rama did against Derby. You know, um, but Canos almost did against uh, Wickham on Saturday. So, you know, he, I think he's probably more a predictable player than Ben Rama. I think he probably hasn't got that bit of genius. But I think, I think, you're, I think over the course of the nine, um, of, of ninety minutes and over the course of a season, if we can get a whole season out of Canos, we will probably get some more consistency. So, I don't, I don't, I don't look at him as a, a you know, not, we don't look at him as a downgrade. I just think um, we know what we're going to get. He's, he's a little bit, bit, not quite so much of a maverick. Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting, isn't it, with the Ben Rama hole? Because if you think about it, Bremo has played, has always played on the right. Fosu, when he's played, has played on the right. So obviously, what we're trying to do is work out who can fit in on the left without Ben Rama being there. And also, I mean, I'm going to say about Kados, what I will say is that I'm hoping, <laughs> and this is no disrespect for you, Kados, but I'm hoping you're not our penalty taker because you did miss the one against Oxford and you almost missed that one against Wickham as well where the goalkeeper sort of batted it into the back of the net, you know, which is all good. Listen, you know, you could be in the, in the circle and we're really glad that people are willing to go forward to take penalties, but maybe that's going to be somebody else's job. Marcus Force, he, was, he wasn't going to miss that one, was he? He almost, he almost like literally put a hole through the goalkeeper. <laughs> Marcus Falls seems to definitely be the penalty taker as well. Now, tell you what's interesting, Lil, as we're trying to sort of pick out certain things. I mean, obviously, we've had the conversation about Raya not being in the side, but the question mark as to whether he's ill or whether or not he's got Arsenal-itis, you know. There's a few other players who people were sniffing around. One was um, Henry. Uh, people say that maybe Pinnock might be a player that people might sniff around as well. Now, the interesting thing about them, Wally Watkins and Said Benrahma don't play. But Henry was straight in the team against Oxford and also straight in the team against Wickham. And I think that kind of shows us, gives us a little sign that Brentford are thinking Henry is off limits. Yeah, for sure. I mean, albeit that he was playing on the right, um, you know, uh, obviously to, because of players, you know, with Dalsgaard being away on international duty. But yeah, I, th- I think it would appear that Henry's off limits and, um, and Pinnock's off limits this season. 
I, I, I still wonder whether there is a value that is sort of written, somebody's written down, well, actually, if somebody came in and offered this amount, we would sell them, but it's an unrealistic amount at this point in their career. I think there's another player that's like slightly he's not on the on this list here of starters. I think Zambrek is another one that's kind of like I don't think he's a natural. I don't think he was starting here, but he can literally yeah he can play anywhere there. So you know, it, it, I mean Zambrek played against again obviously he played against Oxford as well, and then Zambrek as well was in the Wickham lineup. In fact, he was to be for some people he was actually man of the match. He had a, you know that Wickham game we weren't great. But, you know, Zambrick was one of the standout players in that game. Um, I, wrote a, I think I wrote um, a, little, a little blog for the Tyler then, the Reading blog as well, and they asked us what young player you're gonna, you know, he's going to break through. And I said, well, he's already broken through. But I said, Jan Zambrick is a player you should work out, look out for. He's only 19 years old, you have to remember. So he's still got a lot to learn. I, I think what's, what remains interesting about Zambrick is um, what's his position? Um, I, you know, what is his position? He's, he's played wide. He's played in the middle. We, we played him across literally all of the five, everywhere but centre forward and in the back four. He's played in all the other positions. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he fits in this season. You know, we've we, 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 we got a history of those players like Kevin O'Connor and, and people like that. That You know, it took them until they're in their early 20s to work out what was, what was his best position. And maybe Zambrick's going to be another one of those. We had to wait till Kev O'Connor was in the early 50s, didn't we? Yeah, I tell you something as well. I'm just looking at, I'm just looking back at these friends because these friendies were trying to give ourselves a little bit of an idea. But a player who I thought actually had a, a really interesting, I say, good game against Oxford, uh, which surprised me, was Thompson as well. He was playing on the left. Uh, well, he's playing left back, you know. And uh, obviously Henry had gone over to the right to give him a chance to play because obviously at some stage, you know, if Henry's ever injured, we're going to need someone to play left back. And I thought that he actually had a good game. He was pressing. He was coming up forward. He's playing the wing back role really well, and he was actually being really dangerous and he was looking quite potty for it so uh, obviously the close season has been very good for him and uh, and he could be a, it could be an interesting stand because beforehand I wasn't quite sure where we stood with uh, with Thompson yeah I mean you would imagine when you sign a player from Arsenal that that he's going to have to fit in somewhere he's not just going to come in and then sort of disappear and 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 whatever I mean I he we bought him as cover for Rico Henry. You need to have cover in all the positions. We clearly didn't have cover at left back. The season before, we were trying all sorts of different things at left back, you know. So I think um, it, it was obvious we needed somebody. And it's that old thing, isn't it? You know, only 11 players can play on a Saturday. And when you are predominantly a left back, you can't really offer yourself anywhere else in the team. We just spoke about Zamberic and how Zamberic can fit in anywhere across the midfield. For Thompson, it's not quite the same. These players do need opportunities. I remember, like you know, Joshua Silver at first first glance, we weren't quite sure what on earth we were going to do with him. And now you wouldn't you wouldn't want him not in your team. So you know, with Thompson again, it's another one. He probably he just needs a run in the team. You know, he's he's got Arsenal pedigree. He's obviously a quality player. He's been spotted by us. He's not going to be. He's not. He's not a dud. So to, to be honest, I thought we we signed him with the view to selling Rico Henry um, at probably this summer but it seems we're not going to do that you know but that, that's what I thought we brought, we brought him in for so, so I mean there's other players like I said she just bring this side but I, we've got to come to the big moment now obviously Ollie Watkins has gone and we've brought in a big player Ivan Tony in from Peterborough the deal is 6 million 
with some add-ons which will take us up to 9 million if I remember correctly. There's a few other figures that are flying around but they're not entirely correct but we believe that the figure that, that we have uh, we have from our little sources out there is, is spot on and uh, you know Peter Brown Dara McAntony as you know big on social media he has been absolutely gushing about Brentford doing business with us you know with buying um, bu- bu- buying Ivan Tony, saying that you know he has got no doubt that in two or three years you know we'll be in the Premier League and we'll sell him for 25-30 million then he's evenly equally gushing about us selling Ollie Watkins so it's brilliant business for us brilliant business for Aston Villa brilliant business for Exeter who've got their 4 million and he's saying that's the way that the change should work in the AFL where everyone getting their little share so you know that's good little props that we got there but Ivan Tony, it's not fair He's only played a couple of matches for Brentford and he's not actually played a game since March because if you remember Peterborough, they locked down in March. They stopped playing games in March and they haven't played a game since. So he hasn't trained, he hasn't really played that much since then. So he's had, a, he's had six months off pretty much. And I have to say, when I saw him playing, I thought he looked a little bit rusty. Yeah, it's, it's going to take a bit of time with him. Unfortunately, he doesn't have a lot of time because he's got to be ready to go on Saturday. And um, there, there isn't that luxury of him coming in and, um, and you know, I, I assume he's going to start Saturday rather than force. I mean, Devasoglu is a, probably a real outsider to start on Saturday. Uh, but, yeah, he doesn't have the luxury, does he? But, however, you know, there are at least force and Devasoglu that can come in if, if we do need to try something else. If it's not, you know, it doesn't quite work, you know, work at the beginning. Plus, I think what's really important is that by winning the Wickham game, it gives the second string the opportunity to play again next week on the Wednesday. So you keep you keep your players fit and you keep your options available. I'm, I'm, you know, I know a lot of people take the piss out of the stats, but looking at Ivan Tony's stats, it it really like fills you with kind of expectation and hope um, and and excitement. I'd rather I'd rather look at those numbers and listen to Dara McAntony or Barry Fry singing his praises because I, I actually I actually I got a bit bit kind of like I don't know I, I thought that we were like that we were being sort of sold so like double glazing you know like saying oh it's the best thing in the world well you know yeah I, I know he's promising but let's get him at Brentford let's get him to Brentford and then we're showing what he you know show, show what he can do I just felt that they had, they knew they had something that was too good for them and they were just trying to get as much money as they could and I thought that was a bit well, not a bad taste but you know I, I think now we've got him we need to crack on I think, I think what's really important and I remember Dave talking about patterns of play uh, you know Neil Mope is that Ivan Tony learns very, very quickly how he fits into the, the Brentford structure. I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. We'll, we'll probably have to adjust a bit to him because I don't, I, I'm not convinced Ivan Tony is, a, is, is the complete sort of Watkins replacement. He has different strengths to his game, to, to Watkins. Do you think we're going more direct with him and team? I don't know about more direct. I just think that he's. Um, I think the balls that we may not play to him are the ones where what where we put Watkins through one on one, and we expect Watkins' pace to take him past that player. I, I'm not sure if Tony's got that in him. He had that, ch- he had that chance against Wickham where he was one on one, but uh, or, or sort of put through rather. But I think that's where his match sharpness isn't there yet. I'm yeah. not saying that's not. 
what we're seeing now is not as fit as he gets. And, and, and what I mean is when I say one-on-one, -on -one, it's like I don't mean one-on-one -on -one with the goalie. I mean one-on-one -on -one with a defender where, where we're going to expect Watkins to literally you know, run past that defender on pure pace. I'm not sure if Tony's got, if Tony's got that in him. So we have to work out patterns of play that work for Tony as much as Tony has to work out the way we play. So there's, there's going to be a bit of that going on and, um, and hopefully it doesn't take too long for that all to click. I mean, with Ivan Tony, the thing about it is that, you know, there has been a little bit of analysis done of him. There's a little bit, bit, bit of stats done on him. And, you know, the thing is that he has got a lot of key points, Tony. You know, the fact is that, yes, he's to score goals. Apparently, he can find space in the middle of nowhere. So he, he can find space where space isn't available. But also, one of his big key games is the fact that he actually defensively is a great, great player defensively. So what he does, he tracks back and he's almost like an additional defender, which can actually really, really help us out. He likes to play from deep as well. So he doesn't necessarily, so it's a different, slightly different type of game to what we're normally used to as well. You know, there was a little bit of analysis done by B's Analytica as well, where they did a little bit of a, a comparison between Tony and Watkins. Now it's, it's hard to actually do the, the, you know, a straight up comparison because I'll be honest with you, um, Ollie Watkins has been playing in a higher division against uh, better players than uh, Ivan Tony. But I think the things that you've got to sort of kind of be, um, you know, you know, get excited about is, you know, is, is off Jules per 90, very high, you know, you know, higher than, than Ollie. His final third passes per 90 is very, very high as well. You know, his, um, his, 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 his assists per 90 high, you know, higher than what Ollie was when you do it. His shots on target high. His shots per 90 minutes is high. You know, his XG is high. You know, when you compare it to Ollie, even though different rate, you know, um, we're not saying, you know, he's a better player than Ollie, but what we're saying is that you've got to consider that when you bring this player in, this player, we're going to develop him. Ollie's had three years of development. So already he's in the situation where he's been top player in Division 1. Ollie came from Division 2, you know. 90 in his key passes as well, you know. Um, he's very high, you know, key passes per 90 minutes. Touches in the box per 90 minutes. So he's a player that gets the ball a lot in the box. He has a lot of shots. He has a lot of passes. He does a lot of dribbling as well. Him and Ollie, quite similar on the dribbling front. So, you know, to me, there's a lot of sort of kind of key areas which are... Which, which I think makes it very, very exciting. I mean, his off jewels per 90 are down a little bit and his, uh, and his, his assists per 90 are down. So he's not an assisting player as such. And maybe that's something that's going to be worked on. But, you know, for me, I think, OK, he knows where the back of the net is. He's strong. You know, he, he's, he's played in a league which is, you know, a fairly tough league. It's not the same league as ours. You know, it's probably going to get him a little while to get up to speed, but we have got something here to play with, and it definitely depends on how quickly he kind of gets off the mark. Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's just, it's a, it's a big, big old season for him. You know, it's, it's a, it's a big move for him. I know, I know he's played at Newcastle, and it, it's, it's, he's played at the top level. But once you've had that little bit of a knockback, and you've actually gone, had to go down to Peterborough and and start to rebuild your career again, yeah, you kind of. You know, you have to you question whether you've missed your opportunity. Now he's gone down and he's 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 concentrated on his game. He's clearly he's clearly a hugely talented player, but he's, he's he's in that potential mode still again. So you know, he couldn't be at a better club. He's going to get really good service. You're right. 
it's about learning how how our patterns of play can benefit him and how his strengths can benefit us. Yeah, I think he does offer he does offer us something slightly different. I did notice that we were hitting it into the area for him to get his head on a lot more than we probably would have done. Um, maybe that's something we've decided that we need to change about our game. Full stop. It may be, you know, we always say that we try and pass it around a million times on the edge of the area before we try and get in the box. Maybe we are going to get it in the mixer a little bit quicker. Um, I don't think so. Is, is the, I'm answering my own question there. It's a hypothetical question, really. You know, I think he can offer us a little bit more aerial power. He's, he looks, he looks a bigger, he looks stronger. I think Ollie Watkins is slightly deceptive. I think because he's such a nice bloke, you think he's not quite as uh, as physical as he as he is. But um, you know, I, I, it's going to be interesting. You know, we we we've got no crystal balls, but you know, looking at looking at the you know the, the chart that we're looking at on on your phone bill, it doesn't really translate straight to uh, audio. But you know, he is he is uh, a very very talented player this isn't this isn't a punt this isn't a blind shot in the dark and this is the the chart these are the stats that are on the article if you just google besotted um and, and ivan tony article as well we did an ivan tony article when he signed there's loads of stats in there loads of interesting information um doing a little comparison ollie watkins played 4430 championship minutes last season including the playoffs his xg per 90 was 0.511 ivan tony okay it's division one he played 2842 before the league one was contailed but his xG per ninety was 0.65, so it just gives you like a, you know a little, just a little taster as to kind of what's going on in his world. But you know, Ivan Tony, I saw him, I thought mm, that's okay, a few little moves there, but wasn't overly excited. But they are they were friendly matches as far as I'm concerned. We need to see what's going to be happening when he's in action. But look, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the Birmingham game as well because this all feeds in to Birmingham, who we are playing on Saturday, first game of the season. We played Birmingham last season, first game of the season. Pedersen, 30-yard header from... 30 yards, Pedersen. Only header, only shot of the game for Birmingham City. They beat us, absolutely gutting. And if we had drawn that match, we would have got promoted. So we got a little bit of a score to settle with Birmingham. We're going to come back afterwards and talk about the Birmingham game. So Saturday, Birmingham City. We're playing Birmingham City and we have got the Brummy Joe in the house. He knows everything about Birmingham City. Brummy Joe, tell us about the Blues. Yo, Billy, it's Brummy Joe here and I'm giving you, I don't know, my thoughts um, feels weird doing this, you know, because there's been. I know we've had preseason, I know we've had Carabao Cup, but the season is actually starting. I am excited. I probably shouldn't be after the Cambridge game. I can't lie, but we move. Um, last season summary. So um, looking back on last season, it was a bit of a strange one. I felt like we never really had, uh, with all due respect to Pep Clotet, a proper manager, and. Um, not, I mean, that's not even about his ability. It's just about the perception of him. You know, he was down there as caretaker head coach for a long time, got the job, still never never seen that sure on him from, from our side or the owners, but he did a job. We did okay. We had a sort of a run pre-lockdown, 13 games unbeaten, probably the worst unbeaten run you've ever seen. A lot of draws in there. And then post-lockdown, it was just dire, absolutely dire. 
So thankfully the season came to an end and we weren't relegated. So overall, yeah, I wasn't really happy with last season, but it was a bit of a shambles. However, we'll go into uh, this season, the progress, you know, if you can call it that, that we've made. And I think we have made some uh, some progress. I think us taking on Ita Karanka is huge for us. Not only because he's an experienced manager, but because it was a manager that was hard to acquire. We've been after him for about three years and... For me, I've got confidence that he's only come to the job because he believes in the project that we're putting together. And now I'll probably sound like a broken record, and I'm aware of that myself, but I do feel like it can be the start of us stabilising and trying to move forward because the last few years, I mean, since we got relegated from the, the Premier League, really, have been a shambles. Um, so it's it's another chance at that. I feel like our owners have learned from their mistakes, and we've made a few transfers. Now, these transfers haven't set the world alight. No way. Um, they're very... Uh, what can I say, simple, cheap transfers, uh, low cost. Um, we're quite aware that we've got the money of Bellingham and we're not splashing the cash, which I'm not too bothered about because look, look what happened under Harry Redknapp. But we've got players in that will will add some much-needed leadership to that dressing room and hopefully um, bring us together and, and, and give Karanka... Well, they'll sort of echo what Karanka has to say in that dressing room. Um, both got a lot of experience um, under him. I think they've both had promotions with uh, um, under Karanka as well, which is which is exactly what we need. We just need we just need that voice in the dressing room. Um, so I'm happy so far. You know, we've got the signing of um, Ivan Sanchez as well, uh, Jonathan Lecco, two players that could really do a job for us. Um, and it's about signing a striker. However, we haven't yet. And I'm getting a little bit worried. Um, it's probably going to be a number of games into the championship season before we get someone in. Uh, I don't. Well, I don't think we're going to have one for the Brentford game anyway, which leaves us with Aidan George, as I think Juki is still going to be injured. So, 18-year-old Aidan George, a lot of uh, responsibility on his shoulders. Very raw player, and you could see that in pre-season and in the game against Cambridge, to be honest. But I can't blame him. He, you know, it's not... It's not the right time for him, really. I think he needs a loan, but we are desperate for strikers. As for how will Blues do this season, a lot of it depends on transfers. Um, the window doesn't close until uh, some point in October. I'm not sure when, but um, you know, a lot a lot of clubs are playing this game. Um, unfortunately, we already have a very thin squad, so it depends if we can get some good deals, if we can find some good players and. You know, I feel like we will take our time with transfers and the season might start off quite slow. But if we can get a striker in there, if we can if we can keep fit, um, I think we'll be able to do okay and, and, and maybe have a, a better second half of the season. But I think overall it's, it's just a season of um, getting ourselves an identity again, getting ourselves hard to beat again. That's the key thing for me. It's not about making amazing progress. Um, for me, an ideal finish would be, you know, mid-table with... Um, you know, with us looking more of a solid organised unit and something to build on with players progressing throughout the season, players getting better, um, players coming through the ranks, us, um, you know, maybe spending this Bellingham money that we have, but on the right players, when those opportunities arise, we've got the money in the bank to be able to do that deal. We're not rushing to uh, just fork out God knows how much money on a player to secure or try to secure promotion or playoffs. I'd like us to finish mid-table, but I'm going to say it'll probably be about 16th. I'm going to say 16th. So, that brings me on to my thoughts on Saturday's match against you lot. Um, 
you know what? I, I was very... <laughs> I didn't have very high hopes of it last season uh, when we played you and Pedersen scored that 20-yard header. Completely random. Um, it was... It was a game where we were backs against the wall, if I can remember correctly, and that was our only real chance. Do I want to watch another one of them? No, no, I don't. I'd like to see us actually give you a game, but um, I think in the way that Karanka will have a set up, it will just hopefully, hopefully make it hard for you to play against us. I'd like, I'd like us to be hard to break down. We showed that we can do that against Tottenham. We do look a lot more organised, um, so it will be interesting to see what we do against you guys. I think in in terms of firepower, we are really going to be lacking. So I think the best I can possibly hope for is is really a nil-nil. Um, I would take I would take a point against you guys. You know, you're you're heading for the Premier League. It seems um, more a matter of when than if. And uh, I think if we can start off the season looking like a solid organised unit, then I'd be a happy man. Um, I don't know what you guys think. I mean, surely you want the win against us, especially as we've not really got a, not got a senior striker at the minute. But um, yes, in terms of my prediction, I don't. Even though you know Ali Watkins is gone, you've got a lot of options there. You know, you've brought in Ivan Tony, and you've got goals um, all over the pitch. So I think you're going to be a really hard team to play against. And personally, I don't think we're going to be able to hold you out. If we had a striker, maybe we could make it a one-one. Maybe we could, you know, have some threat. Um, going back your way, but I, 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 I have to be realistic here, um, and I think, I think it's probably going to be a one or two nil loss for Blues. That's just me being totally realistic. Um, anyway, it's uh, it's about the long game now. It's not about the short game for Blues, and we're going to have to see how the season pans out for us, and how it pans out for you too. But thank you for having me on, and uh, good luck for you after Saturday. Keep right on. So the Brummy Joe, Birmingham City, are they going to do us again? I hope not. The interesting thing about Birmingham City, though, is they haven't got a striker. They've got a new manager. They've got the Karanka in the house, and they haven't got a striker. Yes, they've got the players, but they're sort of kind of, sort of probably kind of aging, sort of kind of experienced players. So how is that going to shape up for them? We don't know. Um, but I think they were expecting to get a striker in. They haven't got a striker in, so they're a little bit nervous. So maybe we can actually go out there and maybe get a little bit of a result on Saturday. Fingers crossed. Before I remember that as well, just Norgard. I just want to talk about Norgard because he's going to be playing against Birmingham. He obviously didn't play in the two friendlies, or the friendlies, the Wickham game and the Oxford game, but he played against England. And he's going to be up against, he's going to be up against Birmingham City. Norgard had a wicked game against England, didn't he? Yeah, he was. Um, he was exceptional. Uh, I think he was voted by the, the you know, the Danish whoever is TV company. The TV company. I was going to say I don't know his supporters, whatever, as as their man of the match. And um, and to be honest, I think you could almost argue he took us another step forwards in that game, put himself out there, and and he's going to be a player to watch. I would. I, I, I'm going to say it now. I think he's going to be one of the absolute key players in the championship this season um, and I think most teams are going to be wishing they had Norgard playing for them by the end of this season Well he just signed an extension to his contract um, that's a br- that was a brilliant bit of news uh, as, as Matt said you know this, this, he's an incredibly uh, competent footballer 
Um, it was great to see him um, against England. I, I, it was a, did you see some of the tackles that he did? I didn't actually. I went to bed. Um, <laughs> I, I, watched, I watched the first half. I thought uh, England England bore me so much at the moment that I, I wasn't I wasn't prepared to watch another 45 minutes just to watch Norgard. And I, I did actually just go to bed. I just arrived back from somewhere. His tackling, he did sub tackles where he just. It's one of those ones where you kind of sort of slightly winced, but he got away, got away with it because it was legal, and and I think that's the reason why he got Player of the Season. And he's playing against people like you know Sterling, you know he's playing against some big players out there, and he he weren't messing, he didn't care, and it's almost like they were slightly scared of him, you know, and he grew into the game as well, and that's what I really liked. And there was a Tottenham fan who actually tweeted, he goes, I can't believe Tottenham have bought their new player, their big star player this season, and he can't even get in the Danish team because of some Brentford player and I thought that's so teams like Brentford it's like you don't actually look at the player Norgard had a a great game and he's done the business and he's proven what he was and it goes to show you the levels that we're playing at the moment now yeah absolutely I I think that when you get a player like Norgard can translate it onto onto you know into international football and look like a really strong player and, and, and ultimately be man of the match I, I, he's going to be a boss this season. He's going to. This league is going to be scared of Norgard. And talking about scared of Norgard, so Norgard's in the game against Birmingham City, in the midfield, and this is an area that we need to dominate. Okay, they're going to fingers crossed. You know, up front they're going to sort of struggle to get through, but we need to dominate that midfield. So Birmingham City on Saturday, I would like to think we're going to start off on the right note, and I'm going to go for a one-nil away win at Birmingham City, Laney. We've got to put the, the ghost of last season to bed. Um, it's their place. I don't. I don't buy that they got no strikers. They'll they'll find something. Djukovic uh, is yeah, still around. Yeah, well, he, yeah, exactly. He's a player I didn't want to mention. <laughs> he's, he's he's a bastard that's always going to score goals. And he, 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 whenever you watch Stelling, he always says that guy's name during the during the game. So yeah, we're going to put it right. We're going to put it right. We're going to go up there. We're going to win two 0 I don't think Karanka teams are ever easy to play against, um, so let's just scrap it out and get the 1-0 win. I think Tony's first goal for Brentford. Listen, that's it's all good. Listen, so Saturday, Birmingham City, just a quick note, Monday, Brentford are in the Senior Cup final. They're playing Hendon at Hanwell Town, and there are tickets that are on sale. You have to go to the Brentford website, click on the link, and you can buy a ticket. I think there are 10 for adults and 5 quid for kids. It's very restricted, obviously, because no fans at football as well. So you can go and see Brentford playing the Senior Cup final, the B team. So go and check that out. I've bought the tickets. It should be all good going down there on Monday night. But listen, football is back on Saturday. We can't go to the stadium because we're still not allowed in, but we're going to be in the pubs, we're going to be in our houses, we're going to be in the garden. Sky Sports Brentford, they're going to be loving us. There's going to be, like I said to you, a little clip, a little one-minute or so clip before the match, a little preview of Brentford. Brentford old, Brentford new, a bit of Griffin Park, a bit of new Griffin Park as well, so check that out on Sky before the match. But we're going to Birmingham on Saturday. We were actually going to go up to Birmingham on the train and go and watch it in the pub in Birmingham, actually. I was never going to Birmingham. I was going to go. I really wanted to go until I saw those train prices, you know. So it really great. We're sitting inside the pub in Birmingham City watching the game but we're going to watch it at home instead but we are Brentford we are back we are excited we are, we've got to do something this season we've got a new striker we've got a new team in the back from international duty as we say come on you
paydays are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.